Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. When's the last time you talked to your child about sexual predators or sex trafficking or sexual abuse? These issues are very real, and we need to stop turning a blind eye because we don't think it'll ever happen to our kids. The odds are it might, and odds are if it does, it's someone who they know. So we need to start talking about this more. Today, I bring on my guest, Mallory Tingey, who is a survivor of child sexual abuse. We talk all about her story and how we need to remove the shame from those who have been victims of sexual abuse. This is going to be a heavy episode, guys, but this is a conversation that needs to happen. But first, got to pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. And um, so today we have a heavy subject, but one that is very much needed. My guest today, Mallory Tingey, is a survival of uh, child sexual abuse by multiple family members. She hid and ignored her pain and the healing that she needed to do for almost 20 years. Um, And so she started to share her story on Instagram as a way to remove the shame and empower other victims so they too can heal and so they're not alone. And that's how I found her, actually. And so very thankful. Uh, Welcome, welcome, Mallory, to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Absolutely. So first of all, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Good day. So where are you coming at us from? I'm in Bountiful. Okay. So you're in Utah also? Yep. Yep. That's so Here. cool. I'm in Tooele, so not too okay. far. Yep. Yeah. Man, so um, child sexual abuse, sexual predators, it's, it's something no one thinks will ever happen to them or their kids. And yet it is, it is affecting so many kids in the country and the world, tens of thousands of it's a problem that's running rampant and we need to talk about it. I think parents are so scared of even saying the word sex around their kids that they don't think that it's a conversation that needs to happen, but it definitely is one that needs to happen. And I think if more and more people get educated um, about the problems that are going around, there's going to be more and more healing and less and less hurting. Um, So let's, I don't know, let's dive into your story so we can maybe see who we can help out. When did it all begin, um, your story? Um, I was 12 and a half when I was abused by one stepbrother. And then, um, and then about two months later, another stepbrother started abusing me. And then probably about, I can't remember now, Maybe like a few months after that, another one on, on my other side uh, started abusing me. So, and then it went on for like, it had been like probably a total of a year and a half or maybe a year. Now I'm like, now I'm like blanking on my like timeline here before I said anything to friends and like it all came out to the surface and stopped. So, wow, man. Um, first off, I'm so sorry. That is wow family members um yeah and and most of the time when there's sexual abuse 
it's usually from people that people know. It's usually yeah. not a stranger. Like 90, I think the statistics are like 95%, 90% something. I can't remember it exactly, but yeah, it usually is someone that, you know, close friend, family member, mm-hmm. it never is a stranger. And I feel like we are mainly kind of taught that it's like strangers, but mm-hmm. those are the people we need to watch out for, but it's not. And that's the sad thing too, is that it, that is people that you trust. And that's why somehow it also kind of gets like people or parents kind of ignore things that maybe kind of like make them feel unsettled because like, no, I'm just like, and now it's fine. Like I'm just reading into something and it's not right. Uncle Dan's just like that. He's just like that. (laughs) Yeah. Like we give excuses for things. Cause like, no, no way. Like they're a really nice guy. They're really nice. You know, like just like, Oh no, we've been friends forever. And, but gosh, so and that's what makes it easier for it to happen, I think, because we have those kind of guards a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So this went on for, uh, you said about a year before you told yeah, somebody? I was, yeah, I was almost 14 when I report, when I told my friends. So about wow. a, uh, yeah, a little over a year, I guess. Dang. And so you told your friends did the abuse stop at that point or how long, how, how long did it go for? Um, well, almost me, Lisa, I told my friends and then the next day is when one of my friend's moms was told and they contacted my mom and we went to the police station and it like, yeah, it all stopped. I had a stepbrother had like, had stopped on his own, like previously before that, but there was one that was still continually abusing me. So it was mainly, and I only told about him at very first, just because I was trying to just needing the abuse to stop. Right. And I, I didn't tell about the other two stepbrothers until like a month after, because that wasn't the point of me telling the point was just trying to get to stop, not necessarily to get anybody in trouble. Yeah. Um, and so these were people that you lived with, right? Your stepbrothers, yeah, they lived in the yeah. same house as you. Um, yep. and so every day coming home from school, you know, you're coming back home to your sexual abusers, right? Yep. And so yep. how- it was kind of a weird thing of like, I didn't really think about it ever at all. Like during the day, not really until like bedtime. And then yeah. I was like, okay, how can I, maybe I could do this and I could stop this and prevent this and things like that. So. Wow. Um, and so how did they, I don't know, hide this from your parents. I mean, that, 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 that's what blows my mind is they were doing these things under the same roof as your parents. And, and they were, I mean, unaware for a year. Yeah. Um, it was early mornings before anyone was awake or late at night when everyone was in bed. Wow. So it was nothing like it was never. And I was always pretending I was still asleep. And so I don't think any of them ever knew that I really knew. I don't sure how they thought I didn't know with what was happening, but um, that was my defense was to just freeze. That was my response of just freeze. And so I don't know. Yeah. And so my parents didn't know and no, cause it was, no one was also was awake. Right. So your brothers thought you were just sleeping through all this. Yeah. Which is <laughs> crazy. Okay. Cause I don't, I don't even, yeah. There's a new level of stupid in town right now. No, sorry. Um, wow. That's, oh, that breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart that 
what's worse, there, there are thousands of kids with this same story and the guilt and the shame yeah. that people feel after they've been the victim of sexual abuse is crushing. So many people turn to self-harm and suicidality because they think for some reason that they have been uh, permanently damaged um, because of something that was out of their control, that they're somehow um, unpure, that they're somehow, there's something wrong with them now because of some actions of someone else. Um, and it just isn't true. Like you are worth it. Things will change and they will get better. So as you were experiencing all this, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, you're a teenage girl, uh, you, you felt shame due to the environment that you were in. What did that do to you? Yeah, I for a long time felt it was my fault because there was no way that like, how do I have three separate, like I must be doing something or have done something or put on some kind of like persona, like that I was okay with this mm-hmm. or that I was dressing inappropriately things like I blamed myself. I also didn't stop it. And so there was a lot uh, for me, it was more of like, I was also to blame. Like it wasn't just them, but it was also me because I wasn't stopping it. So that was my, and it took, I mean, I mean, I don't even know how long for me to like realize it's okay. Like I did stop it eventually. And just because I didn't stop it in the moment or like right after it happened or I didn't say anything, it doesn't mean that any of it was my fault, but that was not, um, that wasn't the case. And I also felt like my family being like torn apart and just like the chaos and stress that came with it to like my parents and my family. I felt like it was my fault because I said something. I was one who brought it out to the open and it went to the police station. And so then it had to be dealt with versus if I would just told my parents and we probably would have just like talked about it (laughs) and like that would have been, that would have been it. And so I felt a lot of it was, I feel like a lot of my trauma kind of came from afterwards of yeah. just how everything was handled and not like my parents did it. They purposely did anything to hurt me, but they right. just didn't really know how to help me. Mm-hmm. And so they did what they felt was best, but it was kind of the worst way to handle some things. Yeah. What were some of those things? Um, Just like moving on, like, it was hard for my mom to talk about. So my mom didn't really like ever ask me afterwards, like how I was doing. So I felt very isolated. Like we still went family vacations afterwards and I didn't can say, uh, no, I actually don't want to fly in a plane next to any of my abusers. Like, no, I don't want to go camping because I felt like, well, then I'd be tearing apart the family. So those decisions shouldn't have ever like those things should have never happened where I felt like I was disregarded as my feelings because it was like, and I didn't get to choose and have sayings of how things should be handled. And I also didn't know how things like how I wanted things to be handled. Mm -hmm. I also didn't know like how much those after effects would affect me now, 20 years later, because I was just too young to know those things. Mm -hmm. So um, my parents probably could have done some more research or therapy themselves, or I don't like, or forcing me to keep going to therapy. I like went a few times and said, nah, it's not for me. Cause I thought I don't need it. It's fine. And I don't realize until like now, like, oh, I probably could have like healed from this forever ago. If I would have 
gone or like they would have just kept trying different therapists because yeah it takes a while to find one that you like click with like Mm -hmm. so but it was just everyone was just you know figuring out but I in the meantime I felt like I was inconvenient that my abuse was inconvenient to like figure out so we just kind of like kept going with life as was and it needed there needed to be some changes with things. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I would, I would think big time. There would need to be some changes there. Yeah. Um, that is, that is absolutely crazy. I'm kind of like speechless right now. Um, and so how were you able to surpass all this? How are you able to heal and how were you able to, to overcome the shame, um, in a shame filled environment? Um, I think it took me a while, like not until like recently of just realizing, like, I was also like, never, I felt weird about talking about it, telling anybody, cause I want people to feel like bad about it or weird about it. And so not talking about it to anybody, like made it feel like this was a secret. Like we can't talk about this. So like, it mm-hmm. kind of kept the shame in. Mm-hmm. So until I shared my story on Instagram was like, this isn't, this isn't a secret this wasn't me. This wasn't, it's like, I don't need to hide this. Yeah. Um, cause not, not like everybody needs to know about like what happened and like about my stepbrothers and things like that. But me not like saying that I know there's some members who didn't know about some of the things mm-hmm. or even like about some, like one of the stepbrother I know for sure. Like I don't even know who knows. So there's things like that. Like I sharing my story, remove that shame sharing like, because I didn't make the choice. I didn't do that. So it's okay for me to share it. Um, and it's okay to like share it and sit with those feelings of like, this is really hard to like accept things. And it's also okay for people to like, listen if it's hard and they need to take some breaks of things, but Mm -hmm. because I feel like no one talked about it. Yeah. I couldn't talk about it. And if I talked about it, it made everyone else feel uncomfortable. So I like, I wasn't allowed to talk about it. I don't know if that makes sense. It does make sense. A lot of kids, they feel like they don't have permission to speak about their trauma because no one else speaks about their trauma because everyone else feels so awkward about how do I talk to a kid with trauma and people don't want to think about the elephant in the room. And so the kid's like, well, no one's talking about it. So therefore I'm not allowed to. And then it just bottles up for years and years. Exactly. And it slightly has to be a conversation either. Sometimes it could just be like letting someone share their story, share it and be like, okay. And you know, like it doesn't have to be, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't need to be a full on conversation either. But, and also there's appropriate times and things to be sharing certain details and things like that. But right, yeah, so because no, like no one was talking about it, like in my family, like we just kind of like, okay, move on. We're going to continue on. Like life is normal. I uh, mean, my stepbrother, they moved out of the house. I didn't see them. We had restraining orders and things like that, but we still like went on family vacations like a year later. Cause like, oh, you're fine now. It's been a year. Doesn't like, that totally break their restraining order though? Or are those over? Cause how can um, they be within a certain distance of you? That yeah, doesn't... there was, there was one stepbrother that my stepdad signed the restraining order that we could go on a family cruise. Oh my God. And it was just like, oh, it'd be fine. And it'd been two years. You know, it's been long enough. I'm dying so. inside. Oh my gosh. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, not fine. Not fine. Yeah. It's just, I felt like my parents just really wanted things to be back to normal. That's but impossible. we all wanted things, but that was gone. Like that was done. Well, and, and it, was my it wasn't your fault. It's yeah. They, they want things so desperately to go back to normal. Your stepbrothers chose for things to never to be able to go back to normal when they chose to sexually abuse you. Yeah. That's something that I think that all survivors need to know. A, you are not, you, there's nothing wrong with you. You are a victim in this situation. Yeah. You and how are you not acted, in trouble. How you reacted is not any reflection of your part either. No, heavens yeah. no. You were literally assaulted and yeah. you are a victim of sexual abuse and sexual assault and you should have no shame, no guilt. You would not feel ashamed or guilty if I don't know if, 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 if someone punched you and you called the cops on them because they physically assaulted you, I wouldn't feel bad about that. Um, yeah. but yet people would feel bad because, um, they were sexually abused. Um, especially here in Utah, um, where the majority of the population are members of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, where they preach a lot about purity, about abstaining from sexual activities before marriage. Um, a lot of, a lot of people who go through sexual abuse have a lot of trauma around the thought of their purity and chastity is now gone. And now they are somehow less worthy in the sight of God. Did you have similar feelings like that because of where you were? Yes. And I, I was, I was raised LDS. Um, so, and some of my trauma came from that, that like, of oh, modest dressing and you can control boys thoughts. And so I said, Oh, most definitely. Like I wore tight shirts. I got in trouble from wearing tight shirts all the time. Like I, I did this. I like enticed them because I wore tight shirts. Like that somehow gave them permission. There was a lot, I had struggled with a lot of like modesty lessons that we had mm. about that because I was like, yeah, I, I probably paid a, played a part in that. So there was a, there was some traumas from different things like that. Like there's just lots of different parts. It wasn't the main trauma. I like, there was a quote I read that recently was like, you have your initial trauma, but sometimes a lot of time is like the second trauma is like, it's harder is like the afterwards of yeah. it yeah. and how it was handled and how things happened or how, the, how you process things. It's just a lot of moving parts to try to like sort them. But when you're so little, which most victims are so like oh, yeah. young, that you can't do that on your own. Cause you don't even know how to do that. Like, I oh, remember yeah. like, I didn't even know that I was depressed until like later. I was like, Oh, that was probably depression where I didn't <laughs> want to be with anybody. I just thought I was just, I don't know, being in the mood, but I'm like, Oh no, that was, I was probably depressed, but you don't know those things. No one talks about those things. And so you just like, mm. hmm, I'm just being weird or something. Ah, uh, no. I, this is so important. I think that, um, you know, any, every person who has kids or people who have experienced this kind of trauma needs to be listening right now. We need to talk about these things. If something, even if something doesn't happen, it's very, very beneficial to talk to your kids. Hey, if somebody touches you inappropriately, if something happens that makes you feel uncomfortable and you tell someone to stop and they don't, 
please tell me immediately. I don't care if it's a family member. I don't care if it's Uncle Dan. I don't care who it is. I want you to talk to me about it so that we can help you. Because nobody deserves to feel alone in the most critical hour of need. Um, yeah. Uh, so what can we do? Moving forward, how, how can we help those who are in this nightmare of maybe they're maybe the abuse has stopped now and they're trying to heal or maybe they're still in it? What can we how can we be an ally? Um, being okay to talk about the hard things. This mm. isn't a comfortable conversation to have with anybody, but no. like if I would have been able to like feel like I could talk to somebody, my family, or like and not feel like and feel their uncomfortableness of talking about it maybe I would have talked about it more or like try to like sort feelings or like be okay about going to therapy. I also like thought like therapy was like different than what it was for. I didn't understand like the necessity of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, it's so awkward to try to bring it up to like, if like, if their abuse has already been known and my parents know about it, things like that, like, your kid may not be want to talk about it all the time, but like checking in. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing with this? Like maybe ask specific questions. Like, is there anything that like you like struggle with? Is there something I don't like just having conversations? And it doesn't have to be a formal sit down mm-hmm. awkward conversation. Just like it could be a casual conversation. We have conversations with our kids, like of are there nine, seven, and three? And we just like have we like, okay. Did anybody make you feel uncomfortable? Like, and, and uh, make sure that they know it's okay if they didn't say anything. Cause that was a struggle for me. I didn't say anything. I didn't stop it. Mm-hmm. I didn't say no. And so I feel like I allowed it because I didn't say no. Right. So also teaching, like, it's okay. If you didn't say no, it's okay that you complied still doesn't mean that no. it was your fault. Oh my gosh. When we don't say those things, but have conversations, it's hard for them to like, well, no, I, but I didn't say no. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of shame can get taken out of things. If parents are willing to have even the simple conversation of consent with their kids, that compliance does not equal consent, not saying, not actively saying no, does not mean you consented unless you explicitly said yes to this. And even if you did, you felt under duress. That's not consent. You did not consent to any of that. Yeah. It happened to you. Oh my goodness. I mean, there's like grooming, right? Like where they feel like they're playing a part of it, but there was steps leading up to those things that like play part. And they, and they, they feel like even more part of it that it's their fault because they, they were just like being trained along the way, but <sighs> so just having conversations, it doesn't have to be like an age appropriate, right? Like obviously you're not gonna have like certain conversations with like your 10 year olds, but no. you can have conversations with them. Like after any like family gathering, like, Hey, you know, like did anything happen? Make you feel uncomfortable? How, how was that? Like, or- just that sentence guys, it's just that simple. Did anything happen that made you feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Sometimes taking the words out and letting them just have a yes or no answer can help because like, I probably would have never gone to my mom and be like, Hey mom, um, I'm just going to tell you, you know, so-and-so is abusing me because I, I couldn't even write those words. Like I couldn't you know, like to my mom, but maybe if she would have, 
I don't know. You know like it's just sometimes taking the hard words out of their mouth and just like asking questions, having kinds of conversations multiple yeah. times, not just once. And that's something that's big. This isn't a one conversation fixes or fits all type of thing. These yeah, kind of conversations. Yeah, these conversations that we're having about sexual predators, about pornography, about these kind of things, they need to happen frequent and often and early. Age appropriate, but often yeah. and early. And it, the more they happen, the less uncomfortable they will feel to your yes oh my gosh yes oh my gosh yes it's kind of like practice right like okay like we're having this conversation it's not gonna feel like this like oh i have to go talk about this okay like gear up it's just yeah let's just talk and more conversations and your kids can feel more comfortable like you know what like this boy like did this and i kind of felt weird about it and you know if we're having conversations where they can just be you know, and then the parents can say, yeah, you know what, that was okay. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't, that wasn't, that was okay. Let's, let's go talk to somebody about this or, but just having multiple conversations can help take away the uncomfortableness and like, and kids feeling alone or feeling any kind of shame mm-hmm. because it's not talked about. And they're like, yes. oh, I can't bring this up to anybody. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just talk with your kids. And by talk with your kids, I mean, just listen, honestly, um, Talk about the hard conversations. I love that so much. Um, thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation. What you're doing is so incredibly important. Um, and recently, you're able to spend some time with the amazing Elizabeth Smart and Elizabeth Frazier. Um, that looked amazing. I was like, oh my goodness. I had Elizabeth Frazier on, on here and we talked about her experiences and stuff. And so uh, Um, I can only imagine how amazing that was for a group of strong, strong women and survivors like yourself all in one place. That energy must have just been astounding. Oh, it was, it was incredible. And it was like, will be the highlight of my life forever. Just being like in a room where everyone understands how you feel. Like we all have different experiences and different things. And like, but there was a, an instant, like, unity of Mm -hmm. strength and courage and oh it was i was i was so honored to be even invited to this tiny group of women that i was like oh my tiny little 300 follower instagram was like got to be here with these amazing women have foundations and organizations and things are doing all these great things it was right that's amazing. Oh, that was great. Uh, yeah, that 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 looked amazing. Um, I will definitely be trying to get the Elizabeth on here eventually, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, how, what can we? Well, how can people see what you're up to? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. Um, so I have Instagram worth more than shame, and I just kind of post things that I'm finding that help me heal. There you go. Because everyone's healing is just different and different timing and not everyone's healing is going to look the same. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back and forth. Like sometimes I'm great and sometimes I'm not. And, but that's just how it goes. Yes. And so I just, I don't post all the time. I just post like, Hey, you know what? I did this. This makes me feel like this helping, or this is kind of crappy. And I realized this is a trigger for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, and I've had people message me and like, it's just like, creating a sense of community that you are not alone. Yes. 
because yes. I feel like that is such an important thing that I wish I would have had 20 years ago if I would have just talked about it. I could have yes. maybe had a support group and not doing this by myself. I love that. So yeah, guys, uh, that's going to be in the podcast description. So go check her out. Go follow her, especially if you are struggling from healing from sexual abuse and you're feeling alone. Um, you are not. There's an entire community of people out there um, that are going to let you know just how much you are loved. So go check her out. That's going to be in the description. Um, for your daily dose of positivity, make sure to go follow me at bulliesbe.gone on Instagram. Um, and if you want me to get in your school and speak to your kids, um, just shoot me an email. That's going to be in the description as well. And always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug. We'll see you on the next one.